Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. I like to be judged by wins and losses. And that's what it's about. This is about winning. And um, hopefully we can stack some wins on top of each other. Beyond that, we want to see the growth of our young players, and we want to develop an identity. And I think if we can accomplish all three, that's a home run. If we get two out of three, um, I think that's a a great step forward. All right. Chris Finch, the Wolves have a new coach. It was weird. The way that it went down was sort of uncomfortable. Be careful what you ask for when you're becoming the Wolves coach and say, I want to be judged by wins and losses. (laughs) Be very careful. I want to be judged by moral victories <laughs> I and be, how many times we don't lose by 40. I want to be considered as good a guy as Ryan Saunders, so you all <laughs> like me. Um, yeah, I think I think most... All right, this is sort of where I'm at, and then we, we can get into what we learned off that press conference, but I've, I've had a chance to think on this for 24 hours since our episode yesterday, and there is something funny about stress, and I'm, by the way, I am guilty of this. I am self-reporting guilt here. There's something funny about stressing out about how this was handled. Like, oh, my God, they handled this situation poorly when the franchise has been burning for 15 years. Yeah, I got a thought about that. Oh, my God. Look at the look at the garden in front of that house. And the house is like smoldered and and gone. And oh, oh my God, look at how the Wolves handled their 10th coaching change in 15 years. That was weird. Like, no, they've had 10 coaching changes in 15 years. The whole 15 years has been handled Like, poorly. if you want to go back and and pick apart <laughs> that history, let's go back and pick apart right. that history and spend, like, two weeks talking about it. I mean, I, I think if Chris Finch is the right guy, and Gerson Rosas seems to think so, and, and maybe even thought so two years ago, and Glenn Taylor said, well, we should give Ryan a chance because he's cheaper, because he's a Saunders, and because that's what we do here. And because I really like to screw things up long term. <laughs> yep. Um, and Ryan, and Ryan also like I, I think I think Ryan's going to be a head coach again at some point. He might have to go work for Eric Spolster. But if if Chris Finch is the right guy, then I'm not going to sit here and be like he's the right guy. But boy, they probably could have waited five days to give Ryan some space to breathe there, right? So that's that's where I'm at after thinking about this for a day. The whole house for 15 years has been small. So here's where I'm at. Number one, I don't believe their timeline for one second. Okay. Like I just yeah, don't. What did they say yesterday? That, that's fine. That it came together on. It all came together on Sunday. Like Dur- Ger- during the game. Like this is Gerson's best friend in the world. Like friends for life, right? Yeah, but let's not talk till after a loss someday when I hire you. Okay. So one is is I don't buy their timeline for one second. And you know what? It don't matter. Like it's fun to talk about and mock, but it 
in the big picture, if this guy works, he works. If he does not work, he does not work. Uh, but I want to touch on one thing that is being asked about because of the current climate that we're in right now that I find to be really weird. And I'm going to defend the wolves here. All right. There seems to be this underlying or not an underlying, but outright because the question was asked, David Vanterpool, he's black. You didn't talk to him, too. You didn't give him the job. Why? Okay. Here's my thought on that. David Vanterpool right now, and by the way, he might be a great head coach. I have no clue. So I am not passing judgment on him as a coach or a candidate. But after Sunday's game, Phil Mackey, if I call Ryan Saunders up or I walk into his office at the Garden and I say, Ryan, you are fired. It's over. You're fired. How do I sell the prospect of hiring David Vanterpool when he's in charge of the defense? It's a fair question. Like, but but I understand. Look, the the National Football League has a massive problem when it comes to hiring minorities as head coaches. Okay, and we could talk about that. And I completely get that problem. Um, and and minority head coaches deserve as much of a chance as white coaches. I get that too. But is the story here really you didn't conduct a thorough search and give a very good chance to a guy who's in charge of the Wolves defense right now? Yeah, I I hear where you're going. Like what are front. we do what are we doing here? Let's let's pick the conversation that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't know enough like I haven't been around David Vanderpool and I get that that's been a huge topic of conversation. It's and funny. Have I. Yeah. Yesterday I was going around just trying to listen to some cuz for the first time in a long time well, for the first time since the draft, because there, there was a lot of national discussion about what are the Wolves going to do with the number one pick. And so the Wolves did get some national run leading up to the draft. But it's pretty rare that national basketball podcasts and like even the jump, right? It's pretty rare that national basketball shows are going to talk about the Timberwolves. And yesterday they were for all the reasons that you mentioned. Reason number one is, wait, how can you how can you just like fire someone and then hire someone else's assistant midseason. And then the main conversation in the Ringer NBA show with Raja Bell spent 30 minutes on this to start their show yesterday mm-hmm. on David Vanterpool getting getting sort of done the wrong way here. That Well, why would you bring him in and he's on your bench and he's right there ready? At some point, someone's going to hire this guy. Why wouldn't it be you? He's sitting right there under your nose. And I think the only answer I can come up with is Gerson Rosas, looked at both of those guys. I'm sure he thought about David Vanderpool too. I'm sure that was part of the reason why they brought him in, that if we have to make a move on Saunders, at least we got a guy here that is is potentially ready to be a head coach. And maybe and maybe his opinion of David Vanderpool's coaching, not that he like thinks it's that he's a bad coach, but that in terms of being a head coach, maybe it's different than it was a year ago. We know that Chris Finch has been on the top of his mind for at least two years and maybe even longer. And I'll go back to what I said yesterday. I don't think this has to be a poor reflection on David Vanderpool. Like, I don't think it has to mean that, well, they think he's a garbage coach because the defense is terrible. I think it just means what you said, Judd, on yesterday's show. And what, and I agree with this. When you have one shot as a general manager or president of basketball operations, and you've got your short list of people that, boy, all the people I've worked with 10, 15, 20 years in basketball, what's my crew? Who would I put together for? For Derek Falvey, it was I got to get Thad Levine. I got to get that guy in here, right? There's a there's a couple coaches over here. I got to get Derek Shelton in here, and that's how we're going to build a 100 win team. Well, 
it kind of seems like Gerson Rosas' first shot at that list included someone that wasn't on his list in Ryan Saunders. Um, maybe David Vanterpool was the second guy on that list. We don't know. But Chris Finch was clearly the number one guy on Gerson Rosas' list. Whether Chris Finch works out or not, he was the number one guy on Gerson Rosas' list going back for, for two years. And this is the move that he wanted to make. Like I don't think... I think David Venterpool is going to get a job. When you have Damian Lillard speaking that highly about you, you're going to get a job at some point. So I, I do feel like people are focusing on that more than I thought they would yes. in the last couple of days. Yeah, and, and I I think, too, if Finch had come here, so if if Gerson had got his way and had hired Finch last year, okay, and he was an associate coach in charge of the offensive scheme, and we were where we are right now, and the Wolves really looked discombobulated and offensively not great, I'm pretty sure Chris Finch doesn't immediately get th- this job. So Chris Finch not being here and being in Toronto helped him. Just being away from the mess. But <laughs> I'm just, I'm saying we also, I, I think it's important that we pick our, we pick our, our, our choices of when we talk about why things didn't t- take place. Now, do I believe that the Wolves are being truthful about this? And do I think for one second that Finch and Gerson didn't talk consistently? Of course I don't. Of course I don't. So if we want to talk about the mechanics of the hire and did Ryan get done wrong, that's fine. Um, but I think when we're going to talk about who got the head coaching job based potentially on race, it needs yeah. to be a little bit more careful of what's the league trend. And and also, again, if you are on a coaching staff of a team that's failing, it's a reflection partially on you. Yeah. Fair or not, it's a reflection. Yeah. So no, I, I hear you on that one. I mean, if you want to like the, the real the real discussion about potential racial injustice as it pertains to coaches and professional sports is the NFL. Seventy five percent of the players are black. You got what two black NFL head coaches, and then you've got a couple coordinators just staring you right in the face right now that were that were coordinating Super Bowl teams down the stretch. Right, Byron Leftwich, Eric Bieniemy. Those guys are getting Todd Bowles in Tampa did a great job on the yeah. defense. Yeah, absolutely. Like those guys, like to me, that that's that, that's more of a discussion than um, than the NBA. But yeah, like I I, I agree with you on that front. Um, on the timing of it, so this this is funny. The timing of it, the Raptors were in town on Friday, and I don't know. I'm not really that. I guess whatever. Like I was kind of worked up at the time because wow, this is this is a really uncomfortable way of going about this business. But whatever. If you got the right coach, you got the right coach. Cross your fingers. But the Raptors were in town on Friday. Gerson's clearly been thinking. He didn't just have like an epiphany on Sunday. He woke up and he's like, oh man, it's great seeing my buddy Finchy the other night. You know what? I don't like the way this season's going so far. Man, I should. Yeah. I should call the Raptors and get permission during this game right now and see what happens. I mean, yep. so the way it was painted was Gerson said he reached out to the Raptors for permission to talk to Chris Finch during the Wolves-Knicks game yeah. on Sunday night. Yeah, I totally buy that. Got the permission. So it just just bang, bang. Got a hold of somebody right away. Oh, call the switchboard. Just bang, bang. Toronto hey. Raptors basketball, can I help you? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to talk to Chris Finch, please. Oh, sure. Just hold moment, one please. second. He it's makes, a Sunday. I'll patch you right through. He makes the call, gets the permission immediately because it's super easy just to get a hold of people on a whim on a Sunday, right? And then, uh, and then not only does he get the permission, he instantly gets a hold of Chris Finch, who's doing nothing, just waiting for that phone call, you know. 
and uh, and and says, "Hey, we're going to hammer out a deal, right? You're good. All right, good, good. Three, four year deal. Boom, right? All on Sunday night before the game ended. The Raptors. Before the game ended. It, the Raptors in season will say, "Okay, no problem at all. We, oh, he's this, our offensive coordinator, but no problem. This caught us off guard, but yes, go ahead, just take him. No compensation. Yep, you just you can have him. Um, now Nick Nurse, even this is everyone's on the same page because do we have a clip of Nick Nurse by the way? Uh, we do. So we an audio clip, at least I know. So Nick Nurse did a media session yesterday too, and and everyone's on the same page because even Nick Nurse said like, yeah, this all kind of came together in the last thirty six hours. So his his timeline kind of went back to like he looked at the, the beginning script. of Sunday. Yeah. Yes, this came together <laughs> thirty four and a half hours ago. But you're telling me those guys and I, whatever, like this is how it works. You back channel, you feel somebody out, you say, hey, if something ever became available, what would you think? This is how Judd wound up at 1500 ESPN. Hey, I like my job right now, but like, uh, you know, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. we're just drinking beer here. It just If something no, were to happen no, to co- somebody. We talked the day I took the job. <laughs> we didn't talk until then. You called me out of the blue. You called the Star Tribune switchboard, actually. Star Tribune, how can I help you? Yeah, can I talk to Judd Zolgad? Uh, and potentially supervisor yeah, too. Yeah, he's, he's available right now. Oh, yeah, it's no crazy. Problem. He's just no been problem. sitting here waiting for this phone call. Oh my god! Uh, so by the way, this is Nick Nurse, the Raptors coach on Chris Finch. You know, he really is at a high level. Not just off. I mean, really, really offense for sure, but not just offense because he's he's got so many games as a head coach under his belt. He he, you know, I would say that, you know, just kind of thinking back, he really gets his teams to play hard. You know, they really come after you, uh, both sides of the ball. Um, you know, he's a student of the game, so he's well prepared. He's he's organized, um, and I think there's some good talent there in Minnesota. Good ball guy. He's a good ball guy. Oh, ball yeah. guy. he's a big time ball guy. He's a basketball junkie, man. <laughs> basketball, it, it's, yeah. It's steak, <laughs> tape, and the court for him. <laughs> That's his life. I think uh, do the, the Wolves play tonight or tomorrow? Tonight against Milwaukee, tonight. tomorrow against Chicago, and then they're off for two games and play uh, again. I think uh, is it Friday then? So obviously you can't you can't really like if he wants to bring in a new offensive system, or Saturday. he's not going to be able to do that it, now. No, 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 so, no. He's not going to re- redo the entire system. He, he's going to have to take the system that the players have already known and have been practicing and playing in and make some adjustments to it. It's, it's actually going to be probably more of a cram session for Chris Finch. Over the next several weeks, than it will be for the players, and then he can implement things as they go along. I think he needs to do two things right away, like right away, or this thing could go off the rails quick. Because I think this is a combustible situation where you have a superstar sure. that wants to win. He's voicing that he wants to win. Sure, it's sort of a warning shot to the organization that guys like the latest. I care about winning. The latest one, yes. Um, I think the first thing he needs to do is build a relationship and rapport with Cat first, and then Ant. Malik and D'Lo, even though D'Lo's not playing for a couple months, maybe even for the season, but mm-hmm. on the fly, he's got to build a relationship with those four guys right away. And Ricky, because Ricky, I don't think Ricky's long term here, but Ricky's a leader right now, and he's on the team. Uh, and it's possible that a lot of these guys either loved Ryan or loved David Vanterpool and think that David Vanterpool got screwed over. So you're coming into this sort of combustible situation right. where not everyone's going to be like, oh, Chris Finchie! Finchie. Finchie's in the house. Yeah, You've yeah. already seen right? Finchie. <laughs> and then the second thing is whether you're trying to implement your own offense yep. on the fly or whether you're using the old offense, whatever the offense is, Cat needs to be featured more. I looked this up this morning, boys. He's 36th in the NBA in shots per game. Mm-hmm. Third on his own team. Now, a lot of like D'Lo's shots went up when Cat was out, so that's part of it. But 
He's one of the best, most efficient offensive players in the NBA. He should be way higher than 36th in the NBA in shots per game. So if you can build relationships and get Cat more run, those are the two priorities for me right out of the gate for for Finch. So th- throughout the course of the press conference uh, that Gerson and uh, our guy Finchy did yesterday, there was a lot of just like coach speak at times, right? And Ger- Gerson has mastered the art of the, I'm not even sure cliche is the right word, but just the politically correct answer. And, and he knows how to play that game. So I watched the entire thing and I didn't take, I didn't learn much, but I think the most important quote came from Finch. And it's the one bit that was completely truthful, and it's ultimately why this change was made, okay? Ryan might Ryan and Kat might have been friends, and the perception when Ryan got the job was that he was going to get the most from Kat, who is the single, again, most important player on this team. He is the single most important player in target center, okay? So, when that didn't happen, Finch, who is an offensive guy, like consider him to be a football equivalent, let's say, of a Sean McVay, right? Like he's seen as this offensive mind. Finch was hired because of that. So like I I think the rest of the list beyond Cat, Phil, that you went down will fall into place. And those people are important because those people are part of the team and they're going to be counted on to do certain things. But make no mistake, I think from what Finch said, ultimately – the reason that he was brought in right now and admitted to being on the phone with Cat on Sunday night. So the Wolves call and hire this guy in sort of this, this rapid-fire thing, and the first thing, and it's actually pretty smart, that he is told to do is call Cat. Yeah, that's this, good. That's what he should do. Exactly right. But this is, I really believe, if there, there was a pie chart of Ryan being gone and a pie chart of Finchy being hired for this job, <laughs> I think I think eighty five percent of the Finchy pie chart is cat. I <laughs> really t-shirts. do, and I think the rest of it falls in. But this guy was, but cat is cat is a quarterback who the team's GM knows that he can get more from, and the current coach was not doing it. And so the expectation here is that Finch is going to come in as an offensive guy. And he is going to set the building blocks for an offense that revolves around Cat. And we are going to find out now. And this is important and it's good and I can't wait. We're going to find out now if you can, not just in crunch time and not just in brief spurts, but if you can go through games consistently where we never lose track of Cat. Because I felt that that's what took place way too much. There there mm-hmm. were way, there there was a huge portion of, of games I, I felt during the course of this year where you would watch and you think to yourself, have I seen cat in a long time? Yeah. yeah I, That's got to change. I feel like, like when you, when you watch a nuggets game, for instance, at most points during the last five years, it almost gets way too predict. Like the, the rip on the nuggets offense sometimes. And I bring the nuggets up because that's one of the three or four NBA stops where Chris Finch has really gained notoriety as an assistant and an offensive mastermind, so to speak. Um, the knock on the Nuggets offense at times has been, man, is it like, is it just a two man game? All that is it just Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic just, and the other three dudes just never touch the ball, um, almost to a fault. They're just they're running sets, they're running pick and roll, and they're just they're just giving those guys as much usage as possible. And like you said, sometimes you'll go through stretches where it's like, 
Um, has Cat touched the ball? Like, has I, he taken a shot I in seen the last him? six minutes? What's happening? I almost feel like it needs to be, until proven otherwise, it just needs to be everything running through Cat, yep. and then whoever your ball handler is, whether it's Ant Edwards or D'Lo, like, let's run pick and roll. And, and also, the other thing, too, is, a lot, there's a lot of smart Wolves bloggers in town, and they've been doing X's nose breakdowns, Candace Hoopis, uh, Key Sang. Like, there's so many great Wolves bloggers right now. And one of the hopes is because uh, because Finch has so much experience in Europe and also in the G League where sometimes the game can be, you don't have the perfect roster construction, or you've got guys in the G League who are being bounced around on two-way contracts, and it's like, all right, well, who who's on my roster tonight, and how do we make it work? Huh? that he'll be able to unlock some of these younger guys, too, that are on the roster that have shown flashes, like Vanderbilt, for instance, right? Like, there's guys who've shown flashes, but it feels like then they disappear for two or three games. Uh, Naz Reed is another guy that I think probably could be even more of a beast at some point. So can he unlock... you got all these interesting pieces. It's not a perfect collection and a perfect roster, but all these interesting pieces, and just kind of feels like... Someone needs to come in and put that puzzle together in a more efficient, effective way, especially offensively. Absolutely. And that's the hope. So, Finchy boy. That pressure, uncomfortable. Finchy. Uncomfortable at best. We have another clip we can play It was that. uncomfortable. Uh, let's, let's wallow in it. Yeah, we have, a, we have at least a few more. Let's play a couple more, and then we'll talk. We'll do Twins Tuesday, too. Great opportunity here with a good young roster. I think it's at the right time to take steps forward in a, developing an identity. And, um, of course, I have long relationships with many people in the front office and actually some of the coaches I've worked with before. So there was familiarity and uh, just felt like a comfortable fit. And uh, I've built these relationships over the past two yeah. or three weeks. I've and just I, had will, a, I mean, I mean, we just talked no. on Sunday for the first time. And I will blink twice because I am safe. <laughs> I am in no danger. I, will, I am blinking twice. Gerson's taking great care of me. I love Milwaukee. Like it's wildly. I love Score North, Mackie and Judd. <laughs> Best basketball team ever. I've always wanted to be with the Timberwolves organization. <laughs> the Timberwolves are the best organization. This is my dream job. Chris, I need you to blink once if you're in trouble. I am here on my own volition. <laughs> I mean, the, like it was so uncomfortable. It really was. All right, here's. And Ger, by the way, Gerson went into this knowing full well. All right. We gotta we gotta be on the same page with with the, we, we gotta we gotta be on the same page with timeline as much as possible and I'm gonna I'm gonna pump my guy's tires here. Here's Gerson. Uh, the perspective that he has, uh, you know, the time that he's been uh, a head coach outside of the NBA and an assistant uh, in the NBA as well. I think those perspective, uh, those expertises, are, are really important for our organization on both sides of, of the floor and. Uh, his voice, his motivation, his commitment to making this program as successful as possible is important to us, along with his MBA and G League experiences. I think the, the work that he done, that he's done and the players that he's worked with speak for itself. All right. I, I'd like to take you both back to May 1st, 2019. If I'm not mistaken, that was the day that Gerson was paraded into a press conference with the media and Wolves employees, and he was announced as the new hobo of the Wolves, okay? Mm -hmm. 
And his kids were there running around. And he's like holding his kids. And he looks like he is just, he's had a great night's sleep. And this man is embracing the opportunity to fulfill a dream that he had probably had for years, right? Yesterday is the after. Of running the Timberwolves. The before and a, this is, if somebody how it, had taken, how it started, how it's going. Yeah, if somebody had taken Gerson a picture back then of yesterday and said, dude, this is how you're going to look by by the time that you bring your guy Finchie on. There you go, Dex. How, how it started, how it's going. There's your social media post for the day. God. But don't you, like, I, I remember that pressure. I mean, his kids are like, daddy, daddy, dude, this is we, the great. We should like, almost like, I hate this job. We should almost find like, the hiring picture, like the the introductory press conference for everyone who's been hired as Wolves coach or president of basketball operations. David Kahn. David Kahn. That's a great idea. This is going to be great. I'm going to change the franchise forever. And then, like, how haggard they look a couple years in. Shirts unbuttoned. <laughs> like, there's no tie anymore. Five o'clock shadow. <laughs> Just... They've gained weight. Bags <laughs> under their eyes. <laughs> Worst job. President of the country or president of the Timberwolves? Oh man, I don't know if I'd I'm want. Sure I don't know if I'd tougher. want either job. But I'm not you sure. know what it reminds me of? I'm going to go old school. <laughs> I love horror movies. Mm-hmm. Jed, are you familiar or Declan too with yeah. the Amityville series? No. Yes, I'm familiar. The Amityville I'm, horror. I'm not super, but yes, no. we should actually do Maggie and Judd horror it. movie rewind at some point too. Yeah. So it's based on it's based loosely around a true story of I think it's upstate New York, right? It's a um, yeah. It's a haunted house on a lake in upstate New York. Where, and the reason why it's haunted is because at one point, one of the kids took a shotgun and killed his whole family. Oh, okay. Like a teenage kid. Mm-hmm. And families continue to just move into this new house. They get, oh, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, the house is fine. New York. Yeah, this is great. Like. We're moving into a new house. And then by the end, it's like there's dead bodies everywhere. It's like, and like some, yeah, yeah. Someone gets you know possessed by the devil. And the Timberwolves are the Amityville Horror House, right? <laughs> Target Every time center. a new family moves in, it's oh, it's great. Upstate New York, it's a nice. It's it's. We're by a lake. This is amazing. So much land to explore. Uh, by the end, fine. We've remodeled it. Come on in. And by the end, you're taking an axe to your wife's bedroom. Like I don't know. It's, oh, uh, but anyway, poor girl. Good, good luck, Chris Finch. We yeah, yeah Finch, <laughs> Finchy man. It's good. It's not, run as Phil said yesterday. Run yeah. now. I I one last thought on this. I think. If you if you if you just look at what people say about him and the work that he's done, I think he has a chance to to be a good coach here. I, I I'm not going to yeah. sit here and say that he's the Messiah that's going to pull the wolves out of most mostly 15 years of dormancy, but um, it was a weird way to get there. But I think this is going to be a good hire, and it just now depends on how well he can build relationships. And how quickly he can get this thing going in the right direction, and whether they can keep keep their top three and, protected pick next year. And off your point, though, the reason why we got here again in such an odd and uncomfortable way is one guy, Glenn Taylor. So, like that—that's the one. That is the one thing, right? That this always yeah, comes sets the culture back to. But but he also is the guy that said, "Well, keep Ryan. We're going to keep right." Like instead of just saying, "Like, dude, I am making you the pobo." Pick your coach now. Yeah. Like, this would have been Chris Finch in 2019. And Ryan might have even stayed on that staff. The Pobo. Right? Yep. So, anyway. Yep. So, all right, boys. Uh, we got other matters to get to. We're going to win, twins. We're going to score. We're going to win, twins. What's that baseball 
All right, it's a Twins Tuesday here on Mackie and Judd. The Twins have reported to spring training, and Twins Tuesday, powered by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Business owners out there, we know there's a lot of business owners who are also Minnesota sports fans, and uh, those those roads intersect here on the Mackie and Judd Show. How helpful would it be if you had employee training at your fingertips, industry resources that could help your business reach another level of success? That's why Federated Mutual Insurance Company recently launched MyShield, the online client destination for risk management resources. Think about the things that involve risk at your company, employee ladders, vehicles. Uh, there's a lot of things that you might want to have policies in place for, and that's where MyShield and Federated come in. Go to federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right. Doogie floated last week on the scoop with us on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. The idea of Alex Kirloff starting the season at AAA in all likelihood because that's the game that front offices play mm-hmm. over the last several decades is if you, just to over-explain it, basically, um, I want to say that there's like 180 days in a baseball calendar year. 180, like, from day one all the way to the end of the season, whatever it is. It varies every year, but 180. And if you play in 100, if you're active on the roster for like 175 days or 170 days or whatever that number is, then it, then it's a full year of service time. So by keeping a guy in the minor leagues for the first two or three weeks of the season, mm-hmm. you can ensure that he won't hit his first year of service time. And then if you start to do the math, it means you'll get a seventh year of service time before that guy hits free agency. And teams have done this forever. I mean, like the Cubs with Chris Bryant and the Twins have done this with Barrios and Liriano. And it's just a game that people play. And if you've been following the news this week in sports, Mariners now former CEO, Kevin Mather, he jumped on a Bellevue, Washington Rotary Club Zoom call. How did I miss that? Say that the, all again. A what? A Bellevue. So Bellevue is a town in Washington. Okay. A Rotary Club Zoom call. Right, and how did I miss the fact Rotary that this guy was such a bleephole? Dude, this dude's been employed for twenty five plus years by the Mariners, <laughs> and has, has run now. the franchise. He's the CEO of the franchise. He's like yeah. the Dave St. Peter, basically mm-hmm. of the of the maybe even more powerful than Dave St. Peter, mm-hmm. and jumps on a Zoom call in two thousand twenty one, mind you, and had no thought that anything he would say in the next forty minutes would make it to the internet. Calvin and it Jefferson took two weeks. Wasika. It's unbelievable. And he jumped on and he made fun of players' uh, inability to speak English properly. And he did a bunch of things and said a bunch. Of, he called Kyle Seeger overpaid at one point, like a bunch of stuff that you would just ne- you would never say publicly or you should never say privately in some cases. But the number one thing that I think pertains to the Twins here is Kevin Mather basically said, "Here's like four players that you'll never see in the first two weeks of the season because uh, you know we want to make sure that we get that service time." that service time clock on our side. Right. I think Kevin Mather screwed it up for all of these baseball front offices. I don't think you're going to be able to take an Alex Kirilov if he has a decent spring and stash him for two or three weeks in the minors without a grievance. Now you're going to get a handful of grievances like Mariners players were literally told on that zoom call indirectly by Kevin Mather. Oh yeah. Uh, we offered this guy a six year contract to buy out a year of free agency and he rejected it because he thinks he's going to be a superstar. And so we're going to hold him down in the minor leagues for three weeks to make sure that he's on, he's under our control for seven years. The fact that he said that out loud in a video that went public, he said the thing that you're not supposed to say <laughs> as a front office, 
made it harder for teams like the Twins to stash an Alex Kirilov for three weeks in the minor leagues to start the season. It's 15 games, right? Somewhere in there. I yeah, think something it's like that. It's like a dozen. 15 games. Yeah. So Chris Bryant um, filed a grievance at the time that the Cubs did that to him, and I don't know where things stand with that. Uh, and and in the new uh, in the new agreement between the owners and players, that's going to be negotiated after and probably cause a uh, strike or lockout after 2021. I'm hoping that this rule will be gone. So there might be a perception that this rule, if the Twins do try to use it, won't work because it's going to be washed out. But all of that being said, and I, I think Phil, I saw. You tweet about this yesterday, and we've talked about this too, but it's worth broaching again. Um, how ridiculous, how ridiculous is the fact that Kirilov, like he should be a celebrated, hey, this young mm-hmm. kid is coming up and it's he, nuts. he might not save the day, but he's going to be damn good and, you know, and fun to watch. And we are literally right now engaging in a legitimate discussion about the fact that he's going to need to spend 15 games in the minors to circumvent a rule that makes no sense to be there yeah. in the first place. It's nuts. And it and it's less of a criticism of the like the way that this Mariner CEO went about it, he was so cavalier and arrogant and and just like said out loud what all these front offices are thinking anyways, which is we're gonna hold this top prospect down for three weeks and make him work on his glove. <laughs> Remember, like, Chris Bryant, hey, he's got a couple things he needs to do better at third base. It's like the Cubs yeah. were a 100-loss team the year before. Yeah. And and so I understand why front offices do it because if you can get, especially if you're not a top-five revenue team like the Yankees or the Red Sox where, well, whatever, once he hits free agency, we're going to be in the bidding anyways. With some of these franchises, and the Twins have to pick and choose their spots financially, you know, who they can go after. Um, they they kiss it like the Rays kiss players goodbye once they become free agents. No, pre, those guys are gone even. way before. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Oftentimes, like Snell. So if you're a franchise like the Rays or the Oakland Athletics, if you can hold a guy down for three weeks in year one and then get a full, and so you basically get almost a full year out of him anyways, and then you get a full seventh year yep. before he hits free agency. Yes. I see why franchises do it. I see why the Twins do it. I hate it. I think it's terrible for baseball. And if you think about how this would apply, let's say, in the NFL, like if the NFL had the same stupid, ridiculous system in place, imagine drafting Trevor Lawrence and saying, you know what? Yeah, we got to send him down to football minor leagues for the first month of the season because he's got to work on it. He's got to work on it. I know that the, we, we won one game last year, or whatever it was, two games. We're the, we're the Jaguars, but... We're going to make sure Trevor Lawrence just uh, sits down in the minor leagues for a few weeks. Not even like as a backup. It'd be one thing if, all right, Kirloff's on the roster. We're gonna, he's going to be the fourth outfielder for now because we just, you know, we feel pretty good about the other three guys we have and he's not ready. Like, they're literally going to put him in the freaking minor leagues to start the season to work this system. I get why they do it, but it's terrible for the sport. Go see him in St. Paul, though. Buy tickets. I will. To, go buy tickets. I gladly will. No, but it, but it makes no sense. It, it makes does. no it's sense. Dumb. And. It's dumb. And again, it is baseball. It is baseball at every turn. And I don't get this managing to eat itself like everything they can do wrong. Now they seem to do wrong. And I just don't get it for the life of of me. You know, like 15 games, too. Is that not the stupidest? Like 15, 15 games we have to be cheap for. But then he's coming up and it's going to be great. Um, What should shouldn't the system? I mean, like, I think I know where they were going, which is, well, 
we don't want to pay a guy major league then it salary be way if more he's than, in the minor then it should leagues. Be, then, then it should be way more than 15 or if sh- that's the case. Or it, should or it just, shouldn't exist, which is what I believe. Or like, what, how does it work in hockey when you have two-way contracts or... Like, do you get paid the same amount no. when you're... So that's that's what baseball deals that, that's with. That's a two-way contract, yeah. But at the same time, there are entry-level contracts, and that's why it becomes complicated when, like, getting Kirill Kaprizov over, they burned the year last year in the in the the when they were in the bubble. So now he's going to be a special type of restricted free agent. He's not an RFA. I think it's called, like, a subsection 12-2. Yeah, it's very confusing. It's a very <laughs> dumb... It's, it's stupid, oh, too. Like, I'm not exact. It's like a subsection 12-2. It's freedom without he's like one freedom. Of, he's, like, the first free agent of this class who's entering these rights in like five years and then the same thing he's happens. a t1000 terminator yes he's, he's like a t1200 <laughs> don't, or don't, sell, don't sell Corel short okay and then that's the same problem too with their top prospect matthew boldy who's at boston college so if boston college who could make the frozen four the best case or the, the the longest case scenario is for him to get here april 4th well then that means you would have to burn the first year of his entry-level contract so then the wild wouldn't want to do that but at the same time if the wild wanted to push and they want another dynamic player wouldn't you just say screw it we want matthew boldy to be ready right now it's a it's a dumb game but to base, play. baseball desperately needs and I, I don't know how and i think it's going to be painful to get there but baseball definitely needs a starting point too, where the entire system of contracts is restructured. Yeah, and there's give and take on both sides. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken about this, gentlemen, that the same free agency requirement years has been around since free agency started, which I believe was 1976 or so. Yeah, I think that's true. Like, think about that. Yep, Guy, it's ridiculous. It should be five years. It should be five years, and you are able to hit the market. And here's the and some people are going to ask like well why can't they just why can't Kirloff just have a salary that he makes and so here's part of the problem and why baseball is different than some of these other sports in the NFL you have seven rounds of drafts and in a in a year where you like the Vikings last year had a year where they just were overloaded on draft picks they had 15 drafted rookies you rarely see that it's usually you know, you have your seven picks so it's either se- you know seven to ten players that you would draft Vikings had 15 well. All 15 of those guys go to camp, and then, you know, eight or nine of them, 12 of them, whatever, make the team. A couple of them are on the practice squad. So, so they're, they're, either in your, they're either on your team or your practice squad, and they get a, a locked salary, or they're not. They're, or they're on the couch, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the only places they can be. So you have a roster of, of 53, and then you have a, an eight or a 10-man practice squad, whatever it is now. And those guys, that's your crew that you go with. There's not a triple A, a double A, a single A. In baseball, the draft is 50 rounds, mostly so they can fill out four different minor league teams. Which is changing now a little bit, right? It is. It's they've cleaned it up a little. Consolidated the it doesn't really change. It doesn't change a whole lot. Like the so they've gotten rid of some teams had two rookie ball teams and some teams had two you know eight whatever. Um, they've they've made it so High that a and low a. each team basically has four minor league teams, okay. and you have to fill out all those minor league teams. So you have over a hundred minor leaguers somewhere in there, around a hundred minor leaguers that aren't on your major league team. But then you have a forty, you have a twenty six man major league roster and a forty man roster that you can pull guys from. So it's there's like different levels of rostering, right? Yes. And what what teams would say is, well. We got a hundred minor leaguers. We we can't be paying those guys major league salaries. Like we're gonna we're gonna go even more broke than we currently are, even though they're billionaires, right? Sure. So they have to figure out a way for guys like Kirilov. Okay, 
what's a fair way where we can compensate you, but not have to worry about like a clock ticking on your service time? Could you just, once you're drafted, once you're drafted, maybe depending on how old you are or something, you have five years of team control, whether you're in the majors or the minors, period. Sure. And you get a signing bonus. Sure. And then once that, whether you whether you never play in the majors or whether you play six years in the majors, whatever, once that time hits, then you're a free agent, yeah. right? Or you're a restricted free agent or something like that. But they have to figure out a way so that teams aren't incentivized to keep top high-profile young players in the freaking minor leagues to start seasons. It's so stupid. And the one thing that this is going to, to, to do, if the Twins elect to leave him down, is, as I told Patrick, and we talked about on Unchained yesterday, it is going to embolden the Polad sheep bashers. Mm-hmm. They are going to come out of the woodwork. They are going, see, we told you all. And and I, I think the guy who might get hit the most, Mackie. You will be. I always get hit. Yeah, yeah. you will be. Later. You will be subjected to endless tweets of you see Mackie. The pullouts are as cheap as I told you. Yeah. Well, listen. This is this is. You can call it cheap. Call it whatever you want. You have billionaire owners all throughout Major League Baseball that are all operating not based on how many billions of dollars they have in their net worth, which is what a lot of people think. Oh, they're all billionaires. Why don't they just spend a billion dollars on their team? Right? No, they're all billionaires. But they're all operating within the business constraints of how much revenue their franchise brings in. Yep. And because baseball is based on local, largely on local revenue, when you have markets like New York and L.A. and Philadelphia and Boston that just have more people buying merchandise, more people watching games on TV, which means the the rate that you know a Fox Sports North would pay is going to be higher. They might get $100 million more per year because there's more people to broadcast the games to, right? The local revenue is so much more in some of these other markets. You think, well, the Yankees aren't cheap. No, they're just as cheap. They're just as cheap. They're not dipping into their own finance. Like the Steinbrenners aren't like going broke to fund the Yankees. They're bringing in more revenue, and so they're paying more to their players. That's how it works. And like people like, well, what about the Wilfs? The Wilfs will go out and make any move. Yeah, because there's zero chance that they can lose money. The league is literally set up. Because they have a salary cap and a salary floor that structures how much money goes to players. The Wilfs, like, and I definitely commend them. They're a very fan-friendly ownership group, and they do make big moves, and they should be celebrated for that. But don't celebrate them in a way that says, like, well, look, at they're willing to put their grapefruits on the table. Not really. I mean, they're guaranteed to make, like, $250 million a year, regardless of whether they bring in Brett Favre or not 10 the years Kirloff, ago, right? The Kirloff call is still going to get, you know, it's going to get them out of the woodwork. Those cheap poll ads, this is exactly what they do every year. Can I, I'm can, just telling but you. Can I say that I do kind of agree, though, that if you feel like you can win the division and win a playoff yeah. game this year, those first two weeks are going to matter. And if you feel like Alex Kirloff is just right away going to be one of your best players and you can win an extra game or two because he's in your lineup for the first few weeks, yep. then you should be playing to win games this year. That that rule, I, I can almost guarantee that this current rule is not going to be around after 2021. So ignore it. So like, what is it then? Is it like four years? Like the other players going to say we want four years of control, and then owners aren't going to owners aren't going to want to do that. Yeah. Well, players would love to hit free agency asap, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think I think you have to take into account a couple things. You have to take into account how long does it take the average player once drafted to incubate and become a major leaguer. Um, 
or the average player that makes it anyways, like the like among the top 10 rounds of draft picks or something. But then you have to figure, well, okay, so you can get drafted out of high school or then the next chance you can get if you if you don't get drafted out of high school or if you don't sign, then you have to go to college for three years, I think it is. And so obviously, if you draft an 18 year old versus drafting a 21 year old, that 18 year old's likely going to spend more years in the minor leagues because he's 18. A lot of 18-year-olds don't actually emerge from the minor leagues until they're like 24. So I would need control of that guy for sure while he's like not ready to play in the majors. Well, why don't you just call him up? Because he's going to get smoked and his career will be altered forever. You know, so like like I'm thinking well, Brian Dozier went to college. Um, but like there's twins examples all the time where that guy was drafted when he was 18. You forgot about him for Royce seven Willis years. Still. He's still down. Yep. And eventually, and it doesn't mean that he's a failure. Like it just takes like four or five years for these guys to become major league ready. So you would need to cover that span, and then you'd have to cover like a span of a few years in the major leagues. Yep. So, so I, I think the players are probably going to ask for for big league service time, and then to become uh, to hit the market. My guess is five years. Five years is fair if, from when they got drafted. From, from when? No, no, no. I think they'll come. I, I don't that would be perfect for them but i think what they're going to agree to is in, instead of instead of me have, having to play 6 years and then hit the market i can do it 5 years after i reach the big leagues and how about this i know this is now we're getting way in the weeds but like there's a deadline it's either 4 years from when you're drafted i think it's 4 years from when you're drafted if you're drafted out of college or 5 years from when you're drafted out of high school that you have to be placed on the 40 man yeah or you, or you're exposed five. to the Rule Five draft, right? <laughs> another great another baseball, great, another great baseball term. Hey, but, it's Rule Five day. What do we got? Yeah. So here, just all right. Since we're in, since we're into these weeds, all right. Let's say you've got so you've got these deadlines where you've got to put a guy on the forty man roster so that he can now. That's the next step to get into the major leagues. Um, so we, there's that first deadline. I think you need that. Like you can incubate the minors for four or five years. And then it's kind of time to figure out. All right, what's the deal here? Yeah, like, is this are, is this, this? are we doing this or not? Yep. Fair. So, so that's the first one. And then once they get put on the forty man roster, mm-hmm. then I think it's a five year service time thing. So, so you're because you're forced to be put on the forty man roster or not, and then you're forced to be put on the active roster. Or I'm sorry, then you're forced into free agency. We Five years after you're put on the 40-man roster. <laughs> Does that make sense? All I'm saying is the reason why we probably are not going to have much baseball in 2022 is because of this. of all this. <laughs> That's why. Also, so, like, when we're not playing and there's no games, this this conversation, come back to this discussion. That's why we're not yep. playing games. And think about everything we just did. Like, you can't really have that conversation at a bar with friends. Like no. you'll just be the nerd in your well, group and no one understands. But you you can have football conversations. Who should they draft? Well, right. Who should they sign? I once, basketball. Who should they draft? Who should they sign? Baseball. It's like who should they put on their forty man roster? Who should do? I once was on a date this summer and I'd explain what a franchise tag was to someone and they just still oh. really couldn't. Oh, understand that would it be confusing if you don't really like, like what sports is it? That you're much. talking about Dak Prescott. It's like what is it? What the hell is a franchise tag? And it's like well, it's this weird tag that they can place on you and then they can do you it can, again. You can force a player yeah. against their will to stay yeah. with your franchise. It's a, it's a weird but one. baseball ha- baseball easily has the most screwed up thing. It's not even close. The Rule 5 draft, 40-man roster, which is really not the big league roster. Like, think about all of the baseball-y baseball things. I actually love the I love the franchise tag for baseball because it, it would actually help. It would help teams like the Twins and the Rays and that, all right, 
once this guy, maybe you only have it for one one time, one year or something. Play once this guy hits free agency, we have a one time only where we can we can franchise tag this guy yep. for you know in football it's the average of the five highest paid players at that position for the first time, and then it's like another step up. So wow. Well, if anyone's even still with this show right now, <laughs> you, you know the the last point. Yeah. Baseball doesn't realize it, but it really does need a salary cap. Because it needs a floor. It needs a salary structure. Yeah. Structure. But yeah. I mean, a cap, a cap gives you, it gives you two things. It gives you a ceiling, but it also, probably just as importantly, it gives you a floor. Right. And the problem with that is... Like the Rays would have a floor. The Pirates would have a floor. Right, but that floor would have to be in a spot where, because again, it's mostly driven by local revenue. You'd have a situation where either the floor and the cap would be a hundred million dollars apart, because the Rays might only bring in well, you know, the Rays might only bring in X amount of revenue, and the Yankees are bringing in five times that around out of the Forbes list in front of me. Yeah. So the so to to close that gap and make it a competitive window of of floor and cap, like the the NFL is like a really tight window, right? Yeah. The Yankees would have to fund the Rays. Yes, and and they do partially now. But what even I, more. But what I am saying is, if you have a cap, outright revenue sharing across the board, which the teams wouldn't do, but would be the best thing for the sport. Yeah, teams would never do it. You'd have to come up with some sort of national like media platform that people would consume. I'm trying to cause hurt for all sides for the betterment of the game itself. Okay, that's what I do. Golf USA's golf show sale is going on right now. 10,000 golf items discounted to the best prices of the year. Used equipment 50% off. Golf USA has brought their amazing golf show deals back to the store for the biggest sale of the year. Inventory is limited, so get in early for the best selection. Over 10,000 golf items discounted to the best prices of the year. All used equipment 50% off. Don't miss out. Head out right now to Golf USA's golf show sale. Golf USA in Eden Prairie at the corner of Prairie Center and Flying Cloud Drive. Drive. Uh, Declan, are you ready for your big, all right, shiny moment here? I think so. This is uh, in, down toward that the... was indecision right there, Dex. Well, I have a lot of notes. And here. now Phil Mackey updates Judd Zolgad on the latest preview. happenings from The Bachelorette. Usually, right, that's, our, that's our outdated intro for this segment. Usually, I like I like to take notes during the show and then I try to con- concise them. Uh, I did not do the concising part, so I just have a bunch of notes. I think, but I think I can get this wow. in sixty seconds. I think right. I can. So Declan updates us on The Bachelor with Matt James. Sixty seconds. Okay, clock starting. Right now. All right, it's hometown week. We'll start with Michelle. They had a Zoom with her Edina classroom. Really weird setup. The kids asked a lot of questions. I was very uncomfortable by it. But when they met the parents, the dad is concerned over Michelle's uh, heart because she's been through a lot of breakups. But at the end of the hometowns, Michelle admits that she's falling in love with Matt. Matt doesn't say anything back. He just kisses her really weird. At Rachel's hometown, they go skydiving, but Rachel has a bad landing. And with her parents, her dad says a few weeks is not enough at all to know someone. But Rachel really wants Matt to ask permission to marriage. And Matt's like, I can't do that yet. Rachel's perturbed. At Bree's hometown, Bree uh, warms up that she's got a really tough mom, and her mom does quiz Matt on a lot of tough questions, but they seem to like him. And she quizzes him, and, and, and Bree puts up a wall, though, and says, I- I'm still trying to figure out if I'm in love with you. But with Serena P., they have a Canadian-themed date because she is Canadian, Judd, and they even played hockey on the date. But her sister calls her out and believes, it's fake love. You're not smitten with him. And later she admits, you're not my person, and she leaves the show. Matt is crushed. 
That was Hometown Weeks on Good. The Bachelor. Well, bravo, Declan. You got through that oh, in like dude. 58 seconds, and, and it I was clear and concise. And as usual, wow. Canada beats the U.S. So, Joe, we're down to Minnesota Michelle. Yep. We're down to Racist well, Rachel. Racist Rachel. Who I've got a question about. And we're down to, I would say, be- I like Brie. beautiful but quiet Brie. I, I would want Michelle and Brie. If it, I, I want Michelle and Brie to be, be the final two. Can I ask a question? Sure. So I, I saw a tweet last night during the show while it, it was on. I was not watching it. Somebody pointed out that yeah, uh, yeah. that Edina Michelle is actually went to Woodbury? She's from Woodbury. She, she, she played high school basketball at Woodbury. She's an all-state basketball player. Okay. Graduated the same year, 2011. So if it doesn't work with Matt, hit, hit, hit me up, Michelle. Um, but now she lives in Edina, and she's a teacher in Edina. Okay. Yeah. So she's not from grade. Edina. She's not a native. No, she's a Woodbury, she's a Woodbury person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you, know, you very much for clearing that up. Uh, yeah. Racist Rachel, there's a lot of stories that have come out about her going to antebellum South parties and... Uh, Post back. Is uh, Chris, what, what's his face back? No. Well, this, this well, is this is all all everything you're seeing now was recorded like two months ago. Like this isn't like live. They're not like right. oh we're live on a date but now. Like, is, is he being allowed back on the show a no, lot he's, now? He, no, Did, he's. Didn't you say that that he came in last week and did no, they, like a they, brief they, intro? No, they've yeah, but they've everything they're showing now is pre-recorded. So they can't just like scrub. Well, I guess they could try well, and scrub him out. Okay, but, but here's the thing, though. They they, they did. Did you notice? This, was this happening for you last night? Where <laughs> I know was this weird robot up. narration thing that was happening. <laughs> this has happened. This happened when I was trying to watch Big Sky last week. So too. that's what. Also, our our former colleague Seth Auger, he was texting me too because we're both on the same YouTube TV account. He's like, dude. What is going on on ABC? Like I tried, you said Big Sky was doing the same thing. Yeah. Bachelor was doing the same thing. Yeah, I think it's it's an there's an issue, Judd, with ABC on YouTube TV okay. the last couple of weeks, where parts of episodes, it's like it defaults to the blind person setting, so you get this automated voice wow. that's explaining to you what's happening throughout the show. Matt leans in to kiss Rachel. <laughs> Rachel oh. Smitten. Oh my God! How annoying. They Matt, open the door. Matt takes a step forward. I've heard that before. Yeah, it's wow. freaky. Well, so I thought originally, I thought that they that the Bachelor producers were so scrambled over the Chris Harrison thing <laughs> that they deleted and they did this. I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. I thought that's what was happening. I was like, some idiot decided not to have a new narration. They just put Microsoft speech function on. I thought that's what was happening. This is the final rose. Until I saw Ladies, other, yeah. please get your things and leave the Matt, house. Matt, how are you feeling today? The Rocky Rocky three happy, robot thing? Happy birthday, Polly. <laughs> Who gets the last rose, Matt? They See you, love, the Michelle. Robot. They got the Rocky robot. See Super. you, love, Michelle. So I don't. I I thought so. We this happened. We we got the Big Sky as a show. Uh, it's about like it, it's like a murder kind of murderer show uh, about small I, town in Montana. Oh my God. It's a really weird show, but I, I'm hooked on it. Yeah. And last week, the first 25 minutes of this episode were all like, "There's a robot narrating," and we couldn't tell. For the first five minutes, it was like, "Oh, is this like." Part of the show? Like, right. What? This is weird. This is super weird. I don't know. So if there's listeners out there, is this just happening for YouTube TVers on ABC? Or so is I, this happening for other people that have other Someone cable? else tweeted me that she said that she was watching on Hulu and it was doing the same thing. Okay. So. It's going to be an ABC issue of some yeah, kind. Yeah. It, it, I think it's buttons. an ABC situation. But yes, I thought the moron producers at The Bachelor literally hired a Microsoft speech thing to replace Chris Harrison. <laughs> I, I thought that's what they did. They couldn't find any, like, narration of voiceover work. Pretty easy to do. Like that would have been pretty easy to dub that over. 
But no, yeah. I guess we couldn't do that. So uh, Minnesota Michelle, you got Bree, and you got you got racist Rachel here in the final three, Judd. Mm. And pretty soon we're gonna be we're gonna be down to the one. Now we almost had a situation where so Rachel her, her date was skydiving, yep. and they came in a little hot, like her and the instructor. Yeah, her came in a little hot. That would have been one way to get from three to two and hey, just oh. sort of solve a problem right. there, right? right. Oh, well, well, we get we get the women tell all next. That might have leaked out. The women tell <laughs> back all. during the taping she period. Died during yeah. the skydiving. She'd be she'd be dead. The women tell all next week, and then fantasy suite after that. Wait, what's the one next week? The women tell all. So that's where they bring all the contestants back into oh, a studio, okay. and then Matt comes too, and they basically have like a little gossip session over like mm-hmm. you were mean to me. No, no, I'm still in love with you. This blah Dude, blah blah. Here's my theory on that. Okay, because I because they do once they get to the final couple weeks, they do a lot of live stuff with Chris Harrison. So they'll do like for the finale week, Chris Harrison will sort of be in a live studio, I th- or they'll like pre-record stuff closer toward the end of the run. I think they have to throw out some of the Chris Harrison stuff that they recently recorded. Like if they just did one of these things in the last couple of weeks, and I think they're trying to stretch this thing out another week to find another host so that Chris Harrison can. Do you think he's gone? I think there's a chance Chris Harrison steps down. Oh man. I think I there mean, is. That's a, I under, he deserves you guys were to be punished because he, he's great. He, nobody is better at their job yes. than Chris Harrison as the bachelor bachelorette. I host. would love, well, I would have really? loved nobody? to be the next Chris Harrison. I think I would have thrived Hold as the next Chris Harrison. Hold on a second. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You're telling me Keith Morrison. Sorry. Mm-mm. On Dateline with a surprising oh, finish. I think, I think Are I you great. telling me that Some Chris Harrison say. is better than Keith Morrison? I think so. And that sleepy town, no one saw it coming. Some might say she so, was dead on arrival. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're telling me Andy Cohen in the clubhouse, not Chris, better than Chris. Chris Harrison was like, the original a, Andy Cohen. This is a Mount Rushmore right now. This is a Mount Rushmore situation and statement that you just of made. Mount Rushmore of people who are great at their jobs. Yes. I would say the uh, the sign language national anthem guy at the Super Bowl pregame this year is on the Mount Rushmore. That guy was rocking it. I don't remember seeing him. him. This is great. Chris Harrison is definitely on that list. I didn't put more thought into it, but the way that Chris Harrison, when Keith so like they, they, they have the rose ceremonies every week, Judd, where you've got, let's say, 10 roses for 12 women. And so you, you always get down to the end where there's one rose left and there's like three women and only one's going to get it. And where Chris is so brilliant, he walks in every single time. Ladies. Ladies, this is the final rose. Matt. And then he walks away. <laughs> and then comes back, ladies. Hold on a second. Ladies, I'm sorry. You not get a rose, please. Please say goodbyes and pack, pack your things. things. <laughs> Hold on a second. That's what, that's what makes him great? Or he'll come out of nowhere when, like, Bachelor Matt is having a hard time yeah. with his decision or, you know, oh, my gosh, I just went through this thing. And Matt, what's going on? Chris will sit down. Who replaces him? The tie will be off. The button will be undone. Yeah, he'll right. sit down and he'll purse his lips and say, hey, Matt, how are, you, how are you doing? Yeah. What is he, his dad? So if, if he leaves, who replaces him? Me, little. I'll be great. I'd be a great Chris Harrison. I think. I think uh, Chris Berman would be a good change up. Just bring it. Right, how are you feeling? Whoop! Three to peas here. Nope. Whoop! <laughs> could happen. I'm glad the Canadian left. Good for her. Yeah. All right, that's a wrap on this episode <laughs> of Mackie and Judd. We fix baseball. <laughs> Write that down. Predictions and an accountability session on tomorrow's show. And don't forget daily discussions about your Minnesota Vikings on Purple Daily as well. 
This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.